Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with Jesus and to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I am so, so grateful to have you here. Happy Friday. Welcome to Unedited. What a great day to be alive. I just feel gratitude this morning. I want to remind you that the second book in the Unedited Collection, Overflow, The Fine Art of Cultivating Joy and Sorrow, is available on Amazon. If you have not had a chance to purchase this, check it out. Not because I wrote it, but because I feel so passionate about this message. The world is drowning in sorrow. If you look at statistics, if you look at the mental health crisis that we are facing, there are so many people in and out of the church who are drowning under the burdens of sorrow. And joy is God's answer for all of our struggles, for all of our challenges, And so I just want to remind you that it's available, and I'm really, really passionate and excited about this message of joy. No matter what we're facing, we can have joy. Joy is the fuel that helps us endure through whatever we have to face. Next week, I want to just put in a plug for an interview I'm doing, or I did, with uh, Jamie Herndon. She is the podcast host of Unashamedly You. And you guys, I have been so encouraged by what she shared in this interview. You are not going to want to miss it. It's going to be incredible. That will be posted next Friday. So stay tuned for more of that. And check out Jamie's podcast, Unashamedly You. It'll be an encouragement in your life. Today, I am going to ask a question. Are you yet holding on? There is a song, a very old song, that I love. It's called By and By When the Morning Comes. And one day I wanted to, um, this is probably five or six, seven, eight years ago. I don't even remember. But I just wanted to hear that song. So I looked it up and I found a version by Carlton Pearson on YouTube, probably from the mid-80s, late-80s. And he shares a story before he sings By and By When the Morning Comes. And he shares of an old church mother, Mother Sherman. And he said, every time I would see her, she would ask me the question, are you yet holding on? And he would tell her, yes, Mother Sherman, I'm yet holding on. And she would say, then you just keep on keeping on, baby. And I feel this so strong in my spirit this morning to encourage you to keep on keeping on. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know who will listen to this. But whatever you're facing is just a season. It's just a moment. There is coming a day that it is going to be worth it. There is going to be a moment, like that song says, by and by, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathered home, we'll tell the stories of how we've overcome 
and we'll understand it better by and by. And whatever you don't understand right now, whatever God is keeping you in the dark about, it is to serve his purpose. It is for his glory. I'm reading the book of John right now. Our church is reading the book of John one chapter each day. And one of the things that has just struck me is the ways God chose to be glorified. He chose to be glorified by a man being blind for 38 years. Now, that man probably didn't equate his blindness in those 38 years to the glory of God for those 38 years. He chose to be glorified by allowing Lazarus to die. When in John 12, which I read today, it says, um, these are, this is not in my notes, and I apologize. He says, Father, it's the time for you to be glorified. How was Jesus going to be glorified? He was going to be glorified through death. And so whatever you're facing right now, don't underestimate God's ability to get glory out of it. He gets glory for himself in ways that we would never fathom and never dream. We think he can get glory only out of smooth sailing and happy endings. And that is not always the case. And I just feel today to remind you that the road to heaven is long. In Acts 14, we see a situation where Paul gets up and walks away from a situation where people were wanting to stone him. And then the Bible says this. It says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. So Paul gets up from stoning and he preaches the gospel. What an incredible guy. But this is what it says. It says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of heaven. And that word tribulation means pressure. Uh, It means distress. Paul, let the disciples there know you're going to get to heaven through a lot of pressure, through a lot of hardship. I'm just setting the stage for you right now. It's not always going to be easy. The road to heaven is long. It's arduous. It's beautiful. And we get to walk the road with Jesus. But there is much tribulation. There's pressure. There's trials. There's valleys. There's storms. If you've walked with Jesus for any length of time, you know this. There's monotonous stretches of road where you wonder, where is he? Am I doing this right? It's not a cakewalk. Jesus told us in the Gospels that the way was going to be narrow. He said, few there be that find it. It's confining because it seems sometimes like, wow, how could this be the way that God is leading me to heaven? And sometimes I really believe that one of the greatest temptations we face in our Christian walk, yes, we know all those classic temptations, right? The woman in the red dress. But I really believe that one of the greatest temptations every Christian is going to face is the temptation to quit, to go back, to give up. Maybe not even to backslide entirely or to walk away from God entirely or to leave the church entirely, but maybe just to put it in cruise, to quit trying, to allow complacency and apathy to creep in, to slow down, to grow dull and listless. This is a very real temptation in our Christian walk. We're tempted to stop seeking God with everything in us. Our faith gets disappointed. Our faith gets shredded. Maybe we feel tempted to quit on a calling because often callings are hard. They come with a high price tag. They come with great sacrifice. 
And so today, I just want to ask you that question that Mother Sherman asked Carlton Pearson. Are you yet holding on? And I hear your yes. You might be holding on by a thread, but I hear you saying, yes, I'm holding on. I'm not going anywhere. And I'm echoing those words that Mother Sherman spoke to Carlton Pearson. You just keep on keeping on, baby. You're going to make it. No matter how hard the stretch of road is that you're walking right now, you keep on keeping on. You're going to make it all the way to heaven. And for years, I have prayed for people that I've never met who would read unedited or who would listen to this podcast And maybe I'll never get to meet you in this life, but I'm praying for you and I believe I'm going to get to meet you in heaven. You're going to make it all the way to the other side. You keep on keeping on, baby. And in line with this thought, before I read today's unedited journal entry, author and finisher, I do want to encourage you to read two books. First of all, Pilgrim's Progress. I have read the kids version it's called dangerous journey um and for me it has been a gift and a blessing and then secondly hind's feet on high places both of these books are allegories and they paint a picture of the christian's journey pilgrim's progress paints a picture of the christian's journey all the way to heaven and hind's feet on high places more so paints a picture of a christian's journey on the road of maturity and growing in christ But both of those have helped me see how hard the road can be at times and see behind the scenes as to what God could possibly be doing in certain situations. And so just an encouragement to check those books out if you have not read them. I feel they would be a great blessing in your walk with God. Today, I'm going to share an unedited journal entry called Author and Finisher. And without further ado, today's unedited journal entry author and finisher. This morning, the phrase, the author and finisher of our faith came to mind in response to my prayer. God, thank you. You've never walked away from me. He is both the author, the one who leads on anything and thus affords us an example, a predecessor in a matter. He is the beginning of our faith walk, our journey, but also the finisher a completer, a consummator, a perfecter. He doesn't simply start us off on the road of faith. He's the one who will see us all the way to the end. There is such a menagerie of thoughts and scriptures running through my mind, and I hope I can capture and synthesize them. Paul wrote to the Philippians and said in the beginning of his letter, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of jesus christ he's not a god who leaves things half done he's a finisher a perfecter a completer he finishes what he authors he himself shared a parable thought concept for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build a tower and was not able to finish. This was spoken in regards to the cost and sacrifice of the kingdom of heaven, but the principle applies here. In each life, Jesus counts the cost when he begins working with us. 
He knows everything about us and all our flaws when he authors our faith. He knows every future stumble, every failure. He sees the deeply embedded lies and deeply fractured places of our hearts. He knows it all when he signs his name as author. And he's willing to begin because he knows he has what it takes to see us all the way through to the other side, to get us to the final chapter and end product he has in mind. He's in it for the long haul because he knew the cost before he ever began. He will never leave you or forsake you because he's not just the author, he's also the finisher. Another passage that comes to mind as I think of this concept is Jeremiah 18. God sends Jeremiah down to the potter's house and tells him he will speak to him there. Jeremiah obediently goes to the potter's house and sees the potter working on a vessel on a wheel. Scripture tells us, and the vessel he made was marred in the hands of the potter, so he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. God then speaks to his people through Jeremiah, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as the potter? Behold, as clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. God sends Jeremiah on an errand to give him a visual illustration of how he works. The vessel that Jeremiah saw was marred, ruined, spoiled. But the potter in the unfolding scene didn't chuck it out the back door or cast it aside. He made it again another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. He remade and reworked what was ruined in the process of getting to the final result. Because he's a finisher. He's committed to the end game. In Psalm 129.16, David conveys, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God sees our physical and spiritual beings through from start to finish before any of it plays out in real time. We see this depicted in the life of Peter, the rock on which Jesus says he would build his church. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, knowing the cost, knowing how Peter's story would unfold, knowing all that was required to finish. Peter is brash and bold. He's the disciple who's quick to speak up, quick to get out of the boat, quick to cut off ears in his loyalty to Jesus. And I will just tell you, there are so many times when I read about Peter, and I identify with Peter. I love Peter. Yet there's a thread woven into the storyline of Peter's life, authored by God, that doesn't fit, doesn't make sense. At the Last Supper, Jesus turns to Peter and says, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not, and when you are converted, strengthen the brethren. Peter doesn't recognize his own frailty and doesn't know how intense things are going to get as Jesus does. He responds to Jesus with an assumption of personal strength. Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and unto death. But the author of Peter's faith knows his inherent strain of weakness, and he's seen it all play out. He turns to Peter again and says, I tell you, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou hast denied me three times. The story carries on and Jesus' prophecy of Peter comes to pass as Jesus has said. The marring and imperfections in the middle of Peter's storyline are on display. 
When Jesus is on trial at the high priest's house, Peter denies any affiliation with Jesus. He says, woman, I know him not. Man, I know him not. And man, I know not what you say, what thou sayest. He caved to the pressure and fear of the moment, just as Jesus knew he would. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. But the author of Peter's faith didn't cut his story short there because he's a finisher. After Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he commissions an angel sitting in a borrowed tomb to say, Go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goes before you into Galilee. Jesus would not forsake Peter in the middle of his story. At the Sea of Tiberias, Peter encounters Jesus in a beautiful series of events and a conversation that I do not have time to unpack now. Jesus performs a miracle of provision, 153 fish, after a fruitless night of fishing. Jesus cooks dinner and then engages Peter in a restorative conversation. Jesus gives three opportunities to reaffirm his love for him. He offers Peter some insight into his future martyrdom and then reissues the invitation to follow me. Follow me again, Peter. Follow me from this juncture of your storyline. Follow me even though things didn't go like you'd expected. Follow me even with this fresh view of your personal weakness. I knew what I was getting into the first day I called you. When Andrew brought you to me, I already knew how the road would unfold. I knew your tendencies and weaknesses, your shortcomings and failures, and I still chose to author your faith. Now I'm praying your faith won't fail and I've issued a fresh call because I'm a finisher. But you get to decide. Will you follow? I won't leave you, but will you leave me? Will you go to the upper room and wait for the promise of the Father with the rest, or will you go back to your nets? Will you preach on the day of Pentecost, or will you discount my call and commission and count yourself out? I'm not done with you, but are you done with me? He is a finisher, but am I a finisher? Finishing requires the dual commitment of both God and saint. He cannot finish what I won't allow him to finish. The finishing of Peter's faith required him to get back up, to leave his failures in the past, to walk away from his nets again, and to follow the finisher. Being a finisher demanded that Peter reaffirm his love for Jesus, even as Jesus told him what death he should die. Peter was asked to follow Jesus into a future of which martyrdom was the end. Being a finisher asked that he was willing to wait in an upper room and be the one to pick up the mic and preach to the mixed crowd who had heard and observed the supernatural events that unfolded there. It took all of Peter's faith to stand up that day with the new understanding of his own weakness and say, Ye men of Judea, these are not drunk, as ye suppose, but this is that. Peter chose to partner with the finisher of his faith. This is encouraging on two levels. Number one, Jesus is the author and the finisher. He's committed to see each life of faith to its full potential to the end goal, the final chapter. Number two, it inspires me to be a finisher and reminds me that finishing may not be easy, but my commitment to finish with the finisher will pay off. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. If I give up in the middle, I forfeit salvation and all God's best plans. Paul wrote to Acts 20 and shared, 
he wrote in Acts 20, and shared that he was heading to Jerusalem, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town, the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. He continues, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God, that I might finish my course with joy. And he did. He writes to Timothy near the end of his life, the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Therefore, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all that love his appearing. Finishing is all about keeping the faith, whether failure like Peter or trouble and bonds and affliction like Paul. We must finish our course. We must get back up time and again, clutching the shield of faith with every blow of heart and mind and soul. He's the author and finisher. I want to be a finisher too. Thank you for never leaving or forsaking me. By your grace, I won't forsake you. And one day with Paul, I will say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Let's be finishers. Again today, I ask you that question, are you yet holding on? And I hear your yes. And I repeat that statement to you. You keep on keeping on, baby. You keep on keeping on. Thank you so, so much for joining me for the unedited journey. I so look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy, happy, unbelievably amazing Friday.